in a world longing for spiritual renewal, the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, answered the call of sincere believers. Their faith and unwavering commitment to Islam lit a flame of hope in a world engulfed in darkness. Join us on Footprints as we journey through the remarkable lives of these companions, exploring their enduring legacy and lessons that they left behind for all of humanity. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa usalli wa usallimu ala al-mab'uuthi rahmatan lil'alameen Nabiyyana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihadihi wa aqtada bi sunnati ila yawmiddin wa ba'd Welcome back to our series on the lives of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum and insha'Allah in today's episode we will discuss and reflect over the life of another Sahabi another companion of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was also included in the list of of the early forerunners to Islam, a, a companion that hails also from Africa, none other than the great Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu. Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu was also a slave. When we speak about great companions, the likes of the Bilal bin Rabah radiallahu anhu, sometimes in the list of that group as well, we include Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu. Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu was born as a slave to the tribe of Azd, and he was amongst those who had embraced Islam even before the Muslims, the early forerunners, the Sabiqun al-Awwalun, even before they began to collect and gather in the house of the great Arqam bin Abil Arqam radiallahu anhu, there are certain individuals who had embraced Islam before those gatherings started to take place, and amongst them is Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu. Like we said, he was from Africa and his complexion was rather a very dark one. But nonetheless, Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu was a slave to a man by the name of Abdullah bin Tufail. Abdullah bin Tufail happens to be the Akhyafi brother to Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha. Akhyafi brother meaning they shared the same mother but the father of the two was different. So Ummi Ruman radiallahu anha was the mother to Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha from Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. She was also the mother to this individual, Abdullah bin Tufail, who happens to be the master of Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu. The freedom or the emancipation and liberty to this man was granted by the great Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. We know who was synonymous for emancipating many, many slaves and two of the greatest slaves that he had set free was of course Bilal bin Rabah radiallahu anhu, also hailing from Africa. And then of course there's Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu, which we discuss right now. Nonetheless, this individual, one of the most remarkable incidents of his life is the incident of the hijrah. Now, not the hijrah that he made on his own, but selected from a very few crack selected individuals, Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu, amazingly is amongst those who aided and assisted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu in the hijrah that was made by them. While many other companions were also amongst those who were the migrants from Makkah to Al-Mukarramah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam the green light to migrate from Makkah to Madinatul Munawwara as a result of the 
persecution and the the hardships that were borne by the Muslims in Mecca while many of the companions the Muhajirun they made hijrah from Mecca to Medina Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu is exclusive and that he was amongst those a very few a couple as a matter of fact who was allowed to aid and assist the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu when they decided to undertake the journey from Mecca to Medina Munawwara. So Amr bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu's role in this journey is that he had with him camels and he would graze these camels by day and he would bring these camels to the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam and to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu during the night and they would take from the milk of these camels. We know there are two other individuals that are also included amongst those who helped the, the Prophet and Abu Bakr on this very noble, auspicious journey. There was, of course, the son of Abu Bakr, Abdullah bin Abi Bakr, and there was a guide who helped the Prophet and the group navigate, and they would travel during the night and they would take a route that wasn't commonly taken by the people, a, right, a route that wasn't so it wasn't so obvious because we know during these trying testing times for the Prophet ﷺ, there was a bounty on the head of the Prophet ﷺ. Anybody that finds him dead or alive, they would be gifted 100 camels. Now, Amir bin Fuhaira, had he chosen to sell out his deen, his Islam, for this stupendous amount, 100 camels in that day and age, is a very big, handsome gift. Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu could, he could have chosen to do so. He would have been, for lack of better terms, set for life. But of course, this is not what we find in the lives of these illustri illustrious companions of the Prophet Allah tells us, They don't love those who hate Allah and His Messenger They are people in love with Allah. They love the Messenger of Allah and we find this in numerous traditions, the expression of love that they give to the Prophet So we can imagine one who's had the opportunity now has been selected to undergo such a noble journey alongside the Prophet up until the Prophet ﷺ was in Cave Thawr, which he would spend three nights in this cave, three days, three nights. It was Amr bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu whose uh, services Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with. Allah knew about the, the genuine nature of these people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appreciated the, the status that these people enjoyed. So Amr bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu, of course, he is fortunate in that he was also listed amongst those who were with and aided and assisted the Prophet ﷺ on this auspicious journey. We know the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr anhu, they would manage to slip out from the back door and after they would set on this journey or set out on this journey, they would begin until they would travel, they come to a place called the Cave of Thawr. 
In Cave of Thor with Abdullah bin Urayqit, the name of the one that helped them navigate, they would continue to travel until finally a time would come, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would make it easy for them. They were hidden from the people, though we know during this time there were moments where Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu thought the hadith of Sahih Muslim that perhaps now just now these people looking for us might find us, might catch us, and that's it, the end of us. So in one narration it is mentioned, Abu Bakr anhu, he saw the feet of those that were out to catch the Prophet and he said to the Prophet وسلم, when he saw them, he said, Rasulullah, if even one of these people are to peep down or to look down, They'll see us, they're going to catch us, that's it, we're done for. The Prophet ﷺ, calm and collected as could be, he replied to Abu Bakr anhu by saying, ما ظنك يا أبا بكر بإثنين الله ثالثهما What do you think, what is your opinion regarding those two individuals, O Abu Bakr, with whom the third is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself? Now, just a quick reflection, Umar bin Khattab anhu. Yes, he was the 52nd to have embraced Islam, but he's the second greatest companion of all time. In other words, we believe that after the galaxy of the Anbiya this is the second greatest individual that the world has seen, who Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So Umar radiallahu anhu said, it is reported that he would wish to have in exchange for his entire life of good deeds, one single night that Abu Bakr anhu had the opportunity of spending with the Prophet We can imagine his appreciation of the honor that Abu Bakr anhu enjoyed being selected as the companion of the Prophet to embark on this journey. Aisha who was still a very young girl at the time when they set out on this journey, she is reported to have said that the moment the Prophet came to the home of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq to inform him and to give him these glad tidings or this great news that it is you that Allah has selected to be my companion on this journey. We can well imagine the overwhelming joy Abu Bakr anhu expresses at that time. Aisha anha says, I saw this in Abu Bakr anhu in my father. I, I, I realized that indeed he was, he was so happy at the fact, he was so excited that he would be selected to embark on this journey with the Prophet Amir bin Fuhaira this companion, was also included amongst those who were a part and parcel of this journey, the journey of the hijrah of the Prophet Nonetheless, and the Prophet ultimately makes it to Madinatul Munawwara, and there are other companions who have already made it there as well. From them, there were a few for whom the environment, rather the climate of Medina, wasn't so welcoming. For it was, it wasn't so easy for them to be able to live in Madinatul Munawwara. Perhaps the weather, the climate wasn't it wasn't too welcoming. So 
Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu was one of them and he is reported to have said these words when he was uh, when, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested him with fever from the climate of Medina al-Munawwara he said that everybody is enjoying life amongst their family members and death is closer to us than a shoelace and amongst those who had it a little difficult trying to cope with the climate of Medina al-Munawwara was Bilal bin Rabah anhu, who said a few other words. He said, um, uh, Basically, in a nutshell, I wish I could go back to the mountains of Mecca and I could see those beautiful, or I could smell rather, the scent and the fragrance of those beautiful smelling, fresh smelling grasses. And I'd be able to witness once again the mountains of Mecca and so on and so forth. And he would actually go on to curse those who forced to exile the Prophet ﷺ and the companions of the Prophet ﷺ as well. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw that it wasn't too favorable, the conditions that, the, 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 that had befallen the Muslims or some of the Muslims at that time, because they had fallen sick, the Prophet ﷺ saw their love for the, lo for, for the city of Mecca. So he wanted that Allah bless them with the love of the city of Medina al-Munawwara as well. And thus he made dua to Allah Allahumma habbi Oh Allah, bless us with the love of the city of Medina al-Munawwara, which is naturally, this is innate to every single believer. We know that the city of the Prophet is like home to us. We know that the love for the city of Medina al-Munawwara and of course Mecca al-Mukarramah in the life of every single believer is greater than even the love that we have for our own birthplaces. And this is what the state of every single believer should be. Not only Medina al-Munawwara as a city, but as a matter of fact, we find in traditions that the love for the inhabitants of Medina as well should be just as great. And by the way, we've been taught by some of our teachers, when we do go back home, naturally the people see that perhaps we're coming from overseas, we're coming from the West. So they choose to, at times, not necessarily every one of the shopkeepers, but they try to negotiate with us to get a good sum or a good amount for whatever it is that they're trying to sell to us. We were taught by some of our teachers that we do negotiate until and unless we're in Medina al-Munawwara. If it is the people of Medina asking us for a price, we have hope that no injustice is being done. And instead, we give them whatever it is that they're asking of us. And if, of course, there was an an ex uh, excess amount of money that was given to them, then we make intention that this was to help the residents of the city of the Prophet Imam Malik rahimahullah, who was the great jurist of the city of Medina al-Munawwara, we find in traditions that have been passed down to us that Imam Malik rahimahullah refused to relieve himself during the course of his entire life in the city of Medina. Of course, Medina was much smaller than the city that we have in today's time, but anytime he wished to relieve himself, he would exit the boundaries, the limits of the city. He would relieve himself in return. It is reported that he would not walk in the city of Medina 
except that he would walk barefooted. He would not walk with his shoes on for fear that he may possibly place his foot where the Prophet ﷺ had placed his foot as well because of the love that we have for the city of the Prophet ﷺ. This, this, the fact that it is attributed to the Prophet ﷺ. So Amir bin anhu back to the Sahabi, he was fortunate. He was amongst those who was with the Prophet ﷺ on this journey. He too fell sick when he came to Medina al-Munawwara. So the Prophet ﷺ wished to remove from these companions any possible uh, dislike that could possibly occur inside of their hearts for the city of the Prophet ﷺ. And he also made dua, Allahumma barik liana fi sa'ina wa fi muddina. O Allah, bless us with the sa' and the mudd, which are different measurements used during that, in, in that day and age and in that time so oh Allah bless us in the sa' and the mud of Medina al-Munawwara and halana and make it good for us fix it for us and the fever that these people have been tested with in Medina al-Munawwara Allah take this fever to another area to a different location to a different destination so the dua of course of the Prophet وسلم, was indeed accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Amir bin Fuhira radiallahu anhu was also among those who was very proficient in the Quran. He had learned the Quran from the Prophet himself, so we can well imagine. In today's time, just uh, last night, was it? Yes, I had the uh, opportunity of sitting with two Qur'a, and Qur'a are those who are well-versed in the sciences of the recitation of the Holy Qur'an, and they take pride in that they have studied in this institution under the tutelage of this and this so-and-so scholar. You can imagine Amir bin Fahira radiallahu if we were fortunate one day in Jannah to be sitting there in the midst of this giant companion of the Prophet and he were to to begin like we would say flex or he can you know express to us how fortunate he was and that he had learnt the Quran directly from the Prophet I mean we take pride and that we have our asanid that lead to the Prophet the chains of our transmission from the Prophet to us and those with the least amount of links in this chain of transmission to the Prophet they enjoy I mean it's it's special when you've got a fewer number of links that lead to the Prophet imagine being a direct student of the Prophet himself. Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu is one who enjoys that link. He is directly a student of the Prophet he participates in Badr and in Uhud and Hamra al-Asad. These are different expeditions. So one of the incidents, and this is a very tragic incident that takes place towards almost the end of the life of, uh, well, towards the end of the life of Amr bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu, is that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and this was a very, very wretched man by the name of Abu al-Bara, and he requested the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam to send to him the people of Najd, uh, certain Sahaba radiallahu anhum who were well versed in the Holy Quran. So the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, though he had some reservations, he was afraid that some, you know, perhaps some harm might be meted out to these individuals that he was going to send to them. Despite this, he they convinced the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would then he would end up selecting seventy of the Qurra of the Sahaba to go to Najd with Abu al-Bara and to teach the people 
uh, the Quran. So amongst them was a man by the name of Haram bin Milhan radiallahu anhu who had with him with, the, with him the epistle, the letter of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that was supposed to be given to the leader of those people. So when this when when it was when it was received by Amir bin Tufail, so the name of the man to whom this letter was addressed was Amir bin Tufail. This evil man didn't even read the letter of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and instead chose to signal to those that were in the gathering to kill the emissary or the messenger of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So that sahabi radiallahu anhu, Haram bin Milhan radiallahu anhu was his name, he was killed right there and then. And the moment he was killed, it is amazing, he said something, Fuztu wa Rabbil Ka'ba, that I swear by the Lord of the Ka'ba that I have indeed triumphed. I am triumphant, I am victorious. So the one who had killed him, a man by the name of Jabbar bin, Sa, bin Salbi uh, or Jabbar bin Salma Kilabi, he was shocked, rather amazed, like, I just killed him. How is it possible that this individual claims that he is triumphant and victorious? And later on, amazingly enough, he would inquire as to what he meant by triumph or what he meant by victory. And he was informed that these people, when they meet their coveted ends in this world for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake, they are triumphant and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them though they are killed Allah blesses them with martyrdom which is a very high status that they enjoy before Allah in the life hereafter nonetheless moving forward with this he was killed and after this only two of the entire group of this special 70, one by the name of uh, Ka'b ibn Zayd and another by the name of Amr ibn Umayyah, they're the only two that survived. Ka'b ibn Zayd was, as a matter of fact, he was taken for dead. They thought that they had killed him, but instead he managed, he made it, he survived. Whereas the other one, Amr ibn Umayyah radiallahu anhu, he was taken as a prisoner and ultimately set free uh, as a result of a vow that had been made by one of the disbelievers. And then then Amr bin Tufail himself says later on regarding Amr bin Fuhaira radiallahu anhu who was killed on in this tragedy, this, this really tragic uh, incident of Bitri Ma'una. He, he said that I saw the body of Amr bin Fuhaira lifted into the sky and this happened after he was killed. And just before he was actually killed, he had made a dua and amazingly enough, not many of us may be um, aware of this but this is something that was once in the Quran later on the words and of course the meanings of this were the words were abrogated they were taken out of the Holy Quran they became mansukh but the dua that he made to Allah was inform our people, i.e. the Prophet ﷺ and the companions, that we have met our coveted ends. We went back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is pleased with us and we are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was the end of the life of this great companion, Amir bin Fuhaira radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this was the, the, the loss of this group of companions was so so hurtful to the Prophet that he would continue to perform qunut in the Fajr Salah for either 30 or 40 days consecutively, sending curses on the people who had committed this treacherous crime. Nonetheless, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with the proximity and nearness of these same people who were so successful 
in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were triumphant and victorious in this world and indeed in the next. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with the same victory both in this life and in the next. Stay tuned for the next episode on the lives of the Sahaba.